a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better. Welcome to another episode of The Wellness Collective, Cecilia. It's so lovely How's to it? see your shiny, beautiful face. How's it hanging over there? Yeah, good. Thanks. Pressing yeah, you some can't buttons. really see us, but Cecilia's on one side of the desk, mm. pressing the buttons. I think you might have seen us if you've looked at any of your Instagram stories. Well, the other thing that you could do is come over and uh, check us out on Instagram. Can you please join us at our podcast um, Insta, which is Collective The Wellness? You'll know because you can see a picture of us. Yes. You know it's us. Yeah, come and, and hang if, out with if us. if you go to Nats, it's got the link and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, come and hang out because it's got like behind the scenes and bits and pieces and it's a really good way to keep in touch with what we're doing. Or tell us what you'd like. Yes. We like that as well. Tell you what. We are churning them out one a week this year, and so we are going to have so many amazing people. We actually have the lineup so far mm. for what we can see for the year mm. is actually very exciting. That's really We've got exciting. some really cool things, some really different things. And do you know what I love? You know, there's a lot of information that's a bit samey samey at the moment. You know, mm. like how to mm. be this, how to be that, with all with a common sort of thread. But what I'm finding is that with each of these guests that we're interviewing, there's probably four standout things, three or four standout little gems that I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Ooh, that's really cool. And that's what we want to be able to bring to people. So Absolutely. Because yeah. it's yeah. not just about your hormones, the Wellness Collective. Like we bring you things about your life and wellness that, uh, you know, you, you might not have even realised. Mm. And we put it all together. Mm. Hey, um, a friend of mine just recently said to me, oh, I've well, she just had a baby. So she said, oh, I've got time to listen to your podcast. Mm-hmm. She said, and I flicked through and I was like, which one am I going to listen to? And she said, I went for the boys talking about IVF. Yes. And she goes, I loved it because oh, you never hear guys talking about IVF. Poor fellas. No, you don't, of no. course. And I was like, no, it's oh, true. That was you nice don't. feedback. Yeah. Well, I think it's important for anyone, not just the men, but how do we support people through things? Absolutely. And I think that's what we're about. Like, how can we give information? We obviously did the episode with Georgie where we talked about mm. we didn't actually want a cancer expert. We wanted someone's experience. Yeah, someone to- who was living with it. Because we're not necessarily oncologists ourselves, mm. and we, but we want to be able to support our loved ones through certain things. So, yeah, yeah that's always the theme, isn't that's it? That's why we're here. Yeah. Now, today, this episode is about looking at ways that you can, I don't know, be more effective I think in what, general. I think what it is is how to be more innovative in your everyday life. Absolutely. Yes. yes. So, we should let this guest introduce herself. Sure. My name is Amantha Imber and I'm the CEO of an innovation consultancy called Inventium and also the host of the How I Work podcast. I have to say, I particularly love your podcast, The Little Snippets. Excellent. Maybe we should do something like that. Oh, it's just, I walk to work, but mm-hmm. my commute is five minutes. <laughs> so that is just, that was awesome. I was like, I can do this. Whereas when I commit to a podcast to listen to, it's going to take me a whole week if I do it on my work. Walk, walk, walk around the block a few times. <laughs> Is that part of your innovation process that you thought people only have small amounts of time to do things, so I'm going to give them small snippets of information? Yeah, that's exactly right. I I wanted to mix it up. I know that for me, sometimes I've got large amounts of time to listen to podcasts, like when I'm going on a morning walk, for example. But then there are other times where I just want a quick a quick kind of hit of podcast. Uh, and so that's why I 
design those mini episodes. They're really excellent though. Can you just talk us through what you do at Inventium and and what being an innovation psychologist really kind of does? Sure. So at Inventium, myself and my team in Melbourne and Sydney basically work with organisations that want to become better innovators. So we work with individuals, teams, leaders, and help give them really practical tools to innovate more effectively and solve problems better. I think this is really interesting because innovation sounds like a bit of a scary word, but really you're just trying to get the most out of everything. Is that a good way of putting it? Well, it's really just about solving problems in a more effective way. I think everyone encounters problems and challenges in the workplace and to become a better innovator is really about identifying those problems more effectively and thinking creatively about the solutions and then knowing what to do when you've got ideas and how to test them quickly and cheaply as well. Yeah, I think that's a hard thing about being in in that space and especially now everything is changing so quickly, so rapidly and to be able to keep your finger on the pulse and keep up with things. I guess what we've watched happen over time, especially in business, as opposed to what's happening now, it's kind of done a whole 180 in the way that we approach things. So I I, I quite love some of the things that I was hearing you talk about. I, I listened to your most recent podcast about the autoresponder and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Although I am that person that likes to check my emails all the time, which is not actually productive, I know. <laughs> but it was really cool. And then it made me actually start to, so for those that haven't heard it, you need to go and listen to it. But it was about how autoresponders are kind of outdated. It's a bit like a voicemail. If you hear the run of the mill voicemail, <laughs> it's like, please leave a message and I'll call you back. It's like, well, I knew you were going to say that. My voice <laughs> message just says, I don't listen to this, please text me. <laughs> Everyone yeah. loves it. Everyone mm-hmm. t- sends me a text and says, I just love that. But um. It's about thinking, I know it's about thinking outside of the box, but it's almost okay to do that now. And it's almost okay to, you know, do things in a different way, use languaging that we've never used before. And I think being able to then, I think if we can accept that, that's half the challenge though. But I I do, I particularly loved that and that breath of fresh air. And as a business owner, I can totally relate to being, kind of having to reassess everything all the time. Yeah, I think so often we just rely on the default ways of working. Like this is how it's always been done, auto responders are always completely boring and send people to sleep Um, and they're really not particularly useful information a lot of the time. Um, And and likewise with voicemail, I've got exactly the same system where I realised like I I, I was wasting precious time dialing into my voicemail and then having to write down stuff and find a piece of paper and I just thought, well, how about I just tell people that I don't check my voicemail and, <laughs> yeah. and like you, um, you know, <laughs> received quite a positive response to that. So I think we need to constantly challenge the way that we've always done things in terms of, you know, productivity and how we think about and design our work days because there's so many gains to be made by breaking the default, if you like. Are businesses open to this? I mean, I think we've all been in a meeting where we've come in and we've gone, right, I've got a great idea for X, Y, Z. And you can be there with, say, five or six other people and there'll be, a, oh, well, no, we've tried that before. And oh, There's always going to be that. <laughs> you know, like, do you feel because you're in that role where you come in and you point out the things that are clearly easily changed or, you know, need to be changed, is there a good response to it now? Are we changing in that way? Look, I think some companies are, some are not. I think a lot of the time it's determined by 
leadership or management, I think it's it's quite hard to remain enthusiastic about putting forward new ideas and new ways of looking at things if you're working for a boss that's like, no, we tried that last year, that's mm. not going to work mm. and, and so forth. So I, I think, you know, for, for leaders and managers listening, like it really is up to those people to to change the culture and set the tone so that there is this openness to new ideas. Yeah, I can relate to that. I think also what's interesting is I've started to implement something with my team where well, I am a control freak, so I just want to do everything <laughs> myself and recognising that I can't, recognising that my needs are different to their needs and also empowering them to actually go and do the work so that I don't actually have to worry about it has mm. been really revolutionary. It's only a, some new adjustments we've been making, but I think it's different to what we've traditionally known in terms of a leadership role. It's always been about telling them what they need to do. What about if I didn't do that anymore? What about if they told me what they needed? What about if we brainstormed as a group what would actually work? And I think that there's a lot of positivity coming out of that. But yeah, it's about empowering the collective, I think, as well, and getting everybody on board. And you're going to have that person that's going to push back, the right? Naysayer, yeah. But how are you able to then give them, what? why are they pushing back? What do they need? It's obviously something something different. So I just love this whole idea of being able to, to look for these little little gaps everywhere that we've traditionally maybe, well, it's not that it hasn't worked in the past, but we're living at a different time, would you say? Yeah, definitely. And I, I think really it is about giving people permission to find things that can be improved. Like at Inventium, for example, every couple of years we do what we call um, like a, a zombie campaign or a zombie week where basically everyone on the team is charged with trying to find zombies. So zombies are <laughs> projects or meetings or reports or products that are just kind of lurking around like the living dead. They're kind of sucking the life out of us, but no one's killed them off for whatever reason. And what we ask the whole team for is to identify what are some zombies at work? Like what are things that really need to be killed off. And like, we're about to go into a zombie campaign in a few days time. But the last time we ran one, we, I think we killed about a hundred zombies. And we're <laughs> a small business. There's only, there's only about 15 of us. So like you kind of imagine to multiply that, particularly for, for those that are listening that are in mid to large size oh, businesses, yeah. like giving people permission to kill some zombies um, is just hugely productive and amazing in terms of what can come from that. Do you ever work with local government? I reckon you'd be, your zombie killing would just go on and on and on and on eternally. Hey, um. Oh, yes. Okay, we just need to take a quick break from Amantha, but we will be back. Stick around. It's only a couple of seconds. Don't worry. We are hanging out with Amantha. Amantha, no, no S with just an A. I love it. It's so cool. <laughs> Talking about how we can be more innovative in our own lives. How do we look at this in a broader sense? Because, I mean, if you don't have a business or you are working for the man and all that kind of stuff, then maybe this you feel like this doesn't really apply to you. But, I mean, how do we be more innovative in our own lives, in our day-to-day -day stuff? I mean, look how much distraction we're dealing with, for one thing. Absolutely. Uh, look, there are so many ways... Um, Look, I'll tell you some of the, the things that I use in my own life. So something I will often do if I'm trying to sort of think think a bit differently or creatively about a problem is that I, I'll definitely sleep on it. So when you are 
struggling with a, a tricky problem, the worst thing you can do is just sort of sit yourself in front of the computer and go, okay, I need solutions. Let's just pump them out. Like what, what we know about our brain is that the unconscious part of our brain isn't excellent problem solver. And we can activate that by simply sleeping on a problem, but we can also activate that in quite short periods of time by say going for a five to 10 minute walk and stopping thinking about that problem. And by focusing our mind on something else, like if we go for a walk, maybe focusing on the trees or nature or the city buildings, it quite often what will happen is a creative solution will pop into our head. So that's a really simple strategy to basically stop thinking about the problem that you're trying to solve. And quite often creative solutions will present itself. It's like step um, away from the whatever it is, you know, it's, it's good. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, and then uh, look, some other things that I do is I, quite a while ago, and look, I know this about myself, is that I you know, thought more deeply about what part of the day am I most energetic in? And there's a whole field of research into what's called chronotypes, which is basically sort of like what your natural circadian rhythms are over the 24-hour period that is a day. And what we know is that about 15% of the population are what we call larks. So these are people who are at their most energetic in the morning, like the sort of people that don't need the alarm to wake themselves up at six in the morning and instead they're jumping out of bed at five. Um, and then we've got about 20% of the population that are owls. So people that struggle to stick to a normal, you know, nine to five schedule and really come to life at night. And then in between uh, what I call middle birds, so, you know, sort of somewhere in between that, um, you know, what is a kind of normal bell curve, if you like. So for me, I know that I'm a lark and I'm at my most effective for doing like focused and analytical work in the morning. So for me, my whole mornings are blocked out in my diaries. Like I literally don't do meetings before lunchtime. You know, there, there are exceptions, but that is the general rule. And that's when I get great work done. Um, and, and when I uncovered that about myself and restructured my work days, um, I was able to just achieve so much more. So I think that's a really great hack. Um, and for those that don't know what their chronotype might be, um, if you Google morningness, eveningness questionnaire, um, it's a really simple questionnaire that you can do. It's free um, and you can determine what type you are. Oh, I love that. Yes. I think I know what I am because everyone in my house wakes me up every morning. <laughs> wow, well, I'm the opposite. You are, you are, yeah, yeah. Um, how important is trying to focus on a task? Are we losing that ability, do you think? Oh, we absolutely are. Like we're just bombarded with digital distractions these days, mm. like notifications from our phone, our computer, instant messenger, like everything. Everything. I think um, I, I read research that the the average adult can go for about six minutes without being interrupted or distracted by something at work, which is pretty crazy. That's I mean, six terrible. minutes is not long enough. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Like it is it is a really big problem, particularly for knowledge workers. So people whose work is dependent on their ability to think. Um, and have effective thoughts come out of their brain. So I, I was even just this morning reading this this research paper where even just the presence of your mobile phone on your desk next to you while you're work is actually killing off brain power. Like you can work more effectively if your phone is completely out of sight compared to if it's inside. And and this is like not you know not even accounting for notifications or vibrations or anything like that. Like. Simply having your phone in sight 
is killing your brain power. It's like the temptation is just too much. You can't not do it because it's yeah. right there. Just got to check. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. even when I was about this because I'm in consultation, and so obviously when I'm in consultation, I don't oh, have my don't. phone with me. Oh, you're forced to. And you That's don't even good. think about it. Like I don't even think about it. But in comparison to being at my desk when I sit down, so in between patients or whilst the patients, you know, lying there, I'll come back to my desk, and of course I'll totally. The first thing I'll do is grab my phone to see what I've missed in the last. 22 minutes. I know, because it's going to be groundbreaking. Well, even when I was putting these questions together and and having a look at some of your videos and stuff online, I had my phone there, I had Facebook, I had all this, and and then I had that question I thought, oh, the irony of this is so So what do we do? Do we just turn it all off? Like, how do we be more effective, uh, you know, with using our time better? Do we have to be more disciplined? Well, ideally, um, like, for me, it's about changing the context and the environment as opposed to using up your willpower. So, for example, something that I do, um, because I think, like, we're all human and we're all... Like it's so easy to give in to the temptation of just doing a just check of email because these systems are designed to be as addictive as possible. Like you never know what piece of great news might be waiting for you in your inbox. And so therefore you're you're kind of randomly getting this positive reinforcement when you check your email um, and you never know when the next good piece of news is coming from or when the next like on your, you know, cute picture of your toddler is is going to come through on Instagram and Mm -hmm. so forth. So it's hard to fight against these systems. So if instead you can change your environment and the way you sort of structure things, it's much easier. So for example, for me, um, there's a great app that's called Freedom and it literally blocks you out of any site that you want. So I struggle with the temptation of checking email. I love being in my inbox. And so I use the Freedom app on my computer to essentially lock me out of my email program until about lunchtime. Um, so I think it's till until about 11 a.m. And then I'm locked out again um, from the evening so that I simply just don't even have to think about using willpower. Like I physically can't get into email. So it's kind of hacks like that that I like to think about where you can change your environment as opposed to relying on willpower. That's amazing. So interesting. I know we're pushed for time, but I have to just say something. I just looked down at the question sheet we've got here and I've read the question, is it true that you offer your staff as much leave as they want each year? And then the penny just dropped and I'm like, oh, you're that person. I've heard about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How does that work? So we've got unlimited paid leave, which is exactly how it sounds. People can take as much leave as they want and you're still paid. Uh, So people still get their normal four weeks leave and that can be accrued. But if you want to take more leave than that, then you're completely welcome to. So we've had that in place for about two and a half years now. And on average, people take about five and a half weeks of leave per year. So, you know, nearly 50% more than the average Australian worker. And we, we actually call it rebalance leave because the intent is about making sure that people maintain a good work-life balance and that they feel like they've got control or autonomy over their work schedule. Because as a team, like we're in management consulting, it's, it's you know, traditionally an industry where people do long hours and they travel a lot. So I encourage my team to just design their working week, their working month, their working year in a way where they're going to maintain that balance. And yes, there'll be periods of weeks where they're traveling a lot or working long hours, but then making sure they adjust for that by taking additional um, annual Mm. leave. Hmm. It all bounces out in the end. Um, 
Just quickly before we let you go, and speaking of holidays, I think you must be the best boss because you do appreciate the value of holidays and that work isn't absolutely everything. That's, I suppose, what you get to go and tell everybody else in their businesses. Um, But I love that you've got some um, good tips about planning your holiday because I have always had the theory that when you have a holiday booked, you the enjoyment of the holiday is about maybe 40% looking forward to the holiday. Uh, I'm going to make sure this adds up to 100. 40% looking back and 20% enjoyment when you're actually on the holiday because quite often it's tiring, you've got time differences, someone might get sick, like all the realities of being in a strange place, uncomfortable bed. But you have adopted this and I was like, yes, I understand. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. There, there are quite a few different hacks that we can use to get more enjoyment from our holidays, which seems like an odd thing to say because surely holidays are just naturally enjoyable, aren't they? But um, what, what we know is that the further you can start planning a holiday, the, the more you will benefit in terms of, you know, happiness levels. So a lot of the happiness that is associated with holidays is in the planning and anticipation. And then in terms of like what you said around looking back on a holiday, we can design our holiday to again maximise how positively we look back on it. So what we can do is we can um, deliberately make the very last day of the holiday the best day, like pack in at least one or two highlights into that day because that day becomes then the most memorable day of the holiday. Um, It's kind of like a recency bias, if you like, where we remember things that happened um, more recently. So that's like, that's another effective strategy. And one other final thing about holidays is that we often think that we need several weeks to take a really great relaxing holiday. But what the research shows is that around sort of three to six days is actually the optimal length for a holiday. So people would actually be better placed, yeah, to take a whole bunch of long weekends during the year as opposed to just a mega break in the middle of the year or at Christmas time um, and then no breaks in between. Wow, I it's love that. It's true because it, when you do have one of those big long holidays, you do even two weeks, yes. I reckon, you get to the point where you're like, I just want to go home Yeah, you now. get to the 10-day um, mark and you're like, okay, I'm good yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sick oh, of eating chips at the buffet. <laughs> we could obviously keep on talking to you for ages yeah. because this is awesome. But just quickly, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find you? Absolutely. So uh, if you're a podcast listener, and you probably are because you're listening to this, <laughs> um, just search for How I Work in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and you can also find me at... Inventium, which is invent with an I-U-M on the end, dot com dot A-U. How's that? Are you feeling refreshed? I actually love this. I think it's actually hilarious that I didn't realise that she was that person. Yeah, so funny. I know because I've heard this concept and I, no. I was very intrigued when I heard. You know what makes me laugh though? What? I sent you the research. Was it you that sent it to me? I in sent the first it to place? you, and you're like, no, I don't know if it was in the first, but, you, but before we spoke to her, and, and you read through it, but you didn't have that light bulb moment well, until she actually said it. So it just made me no, laugh. until I actually looked on the sheet because I didn't get that far down the sheet, <laughs> did I? I was like, oh, yeah, I've got this, and I checked her out and I listened to a couple of podcasts. You know what I love about you? You're authentic. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take that. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing right now, but I'll take it. Absolutely. Um, Speaking about being authentic, it's got nothing to do with being authentic because I want to read a review (laughs) before I forget. (laughs) I think this person was being authentic. Go ahead. (laughs) Totally. So one of our latest reviews is I am a first-time podcast user and I got the app. So that's the Podcast One app. 
um, and opened your link. I was so glad that I did. You guys are awesome. Your interview with Wayne Swass was really good, really nice guy. I work in a football club and we have opened our door and had him come three times to talk to the boys and this will be our third year. We've had a man talk about the suicide of his son um, and there was a lot of tears in the house. I myself was just like Wayne and attempted to end my life. The thought hasn't left me, but I focus on more positive things in my life. Thank you, ladies. How lovely. Uh, Before we go, there's just one more thing that Amantha, I didn't get to talk to her about it because we were under the pump and we really needed more time with her, but because she's an innovation specialist and she has a very structured day, we got as much as we could. So that was great. We were running late. It was Mm -hmm. our fault. But one thing... um, In her podcast, she does these little snippet podcasts as we talked about. She has this one about how why eating the same thing for breakfast every day will help you make better decisions. Because you don't have to think about what you're eating for breakfast. Exactly. (laughs) I haven't even listened to it. (laughs) Exactly. But isn't it funny how you take that pressure off yourself and your brain can then do more important things. Totally. So this might be translated for some people is having their wardrobe of the same things that they wear for five days. Yeah. Um, It's the same thing. You're just taking the stress out of... Your your routine or whatever that is in the yep. morning. So I can totally relate to that. So we, a- we may not all be running giant businesses, uh, but we can all stick a little bit of that innovation so into good. our days and I'm sure we will all benefit mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, thank you. I'm going to go and innovate my life now. <laughs> Probably start I'm with off, a new phone. I'm off to... <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very good idea. Mm. Otherwise, you know, next time you come in, you're going to have Band-Aids all on the one side of you. <laughs> it's not going to be good. <laughs> hey, uh, Kringudis, love hanging out with you, you here too. at the Wellness Collective. <laughs> Until next time, we hope this has left you feeling happier, healthier and better and more organised. And not laughing. 